It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome to Song Talk Radio. This is the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting. We share tips, tools, and techniques, and together we all become better at writing songs. I'm your host, Neil Modi, and unfortunately, my regular co-host, Phil Emery, is off dancing with narwhals today. So, I'm flying solo with our guest, Toronto-based singer-songwriter, Mamika. How are you, Mamika? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. We're really happy to have you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we, we met a few uh, weeks ago um, at, um, where was it you were performing with Carmen Toth? Cameron House. Cameron House, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. One, of my favorite, one of my favorite venues, surprised I didn't remember the name. <laughs> so, that was my first time I'd ever even been in that venue. Which oh, is, seriously? Yeah, oh, wow. I feel very late to the party. It was sick. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great place. We've got that front room and the back room and everything. It's really quite cool, but... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome stuff. Okay, and um, for everyone else, uh, please send your comments and questions to at Songtalk Radio on Facebook or Instagram, or feedback at songtalk.ca for the email, and we'll share your thoughts on the show. And please visit songtalk.ca to see the show post for this episode, to find links to resources we mentioned, and to download lyric and chord sheets to follow along with the songs that we feature. So. Fresh off the heels of her new release, Love and What I Thought It Was, Mamika is making the transition from songwriter to soul-bearing artist. With over 2 million streams as a writer and a degree from Berklee College of Music, Mamika's story-first approach to songwriting has earned her the kind of balance that allows her to captivate audiences around the world. Welcome to Song Talk Radio, Mamika. Thank you. Awesome. My, uh, sitting for the intros is always so hard. I'm like... <laughs> it's, a, it's a great little intro it's nice and short <laughs> i do like that sweet to the point right yeah, sweet to the point that, get, that gets and we're gonna get into your 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 berkeley education and everything uh but first mm-hmm. things uh first just to get our listeners up to speed um we're gonna take a listen uh to your song um i can see the end so here we go
awesome stuff. Thank you. Really, really cool, captivating song. Boy, there's so much to unpack in this. <laughs> there's so many questions I want to ask you about your processes. This is really, this is really neat. I mean, in, in, in your intro, you say, you know, story-based. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this, I think, from, a, from an entire songwriting perspective, this has got, to me, a bit of a musical theater approach to it. There's a story there's a there's structurally there's interesting things going on a pre verse and then you get in some more structured things it builds it grows um even in some of your melodic choices um it seems kind of musical theater based and there's there's just a there's just a unity to the whole thing that that feels like it belongs in a musical <laughs> to me <laughs> thank you so much yeah so i'm i'm curious like where how did this song start for you? Like, what was what was the initial impetus? Mm-hmm. So this song was the last song that I wrote for Project Love and what I thought it was. And speaking of, like, musical theater and, like, I'm very narrative-driven. I started as, like, a writer who loved music and then, like, merged everything together. And I was missing, like, a piece of the story because the whole project altogether is one big connected story if you listen to it from front to back and I needed this like like this denouement kind of song where Mm -hmm. things are resolved the characters getting what they want what they've gone after and done this whole journey for and I really liked I had the line I can see the end for so long and I finally was like okay but what if I switch it up because I feel like typically you hear I can see the end and it's like it's bad or it's like Mm -hmm. talking about a breakup or the end of a relationship or something and I was like what if this is I can see the end but it's like the the real ending like the the big one where like things work and you can see the forever kind of ending Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of where the like seed of this song began and then knowing that I was going for such a big picture kind of theme to start the song, I was like, okay, I need to dial it in and let's get super specific and grounded. So that's where the imagery kind of comes from mm-hmm. in that first verse. And then it like, it sets you up to not just feel like you're kind of floating around listening to this giant concept kind of song. Okay. So it, it was part of a larger narrative. How many songs was the entire narrative? Six. Six songs. And that you released as sort of an EP Mm-hmm. It was meant to be listened to in order kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people right. can can do what they want, but there's a lot of intention behind, you know, the track list order and sonically how the whole project evolves from front to back. And I put a lot of uh, effort into it. Right on. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. That seems to be a bit of a lost art. I mean, everyone's interested in just doing the single mm-hmm. um, these days. And it's kind of... It's kind of a thing. I I did it myself. I did an EP a few years ago of electro pop music where it was seven songs all tied together. It wasn't a narrative as such because of of other factors, but it it was it it was it was very much meant to be listened to from beginning to end. And and, Mm -hmm. and there's a few artists I listen to. Sloan (laughs) particularly comes to mind of where their albums a lot of the time are very much structured that you really should listen to from beginning to end. Um, Yeah, a bit bit of a bit of a lost art. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of got that. I mean, I mean, the, the title is kind of the title is great because you start off with I can see the end. It does come back 
um, sort of as the as the climax of the song. I can see the end when you belt it out at the end, and 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 that really does suggest okay, this is the end of this is the end of the story. Whether it's a good ending or a bad ending, I think is a little bit um, up for interpretation. I did get some senses that it was a a, a, a final place at least, but it also from from some of the lyrics and stuff, it, it did feel like it was it might have been um, something of a something of a sigh, <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. oh, we've reached the end, oh well, kind of thing, like a little bit a little bit negative, a little bit been here before kind of kind of feeling um i really i'm really interested in this in this pre-verse because it's not there's no tempo to it it's Mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of tempo free the six eight time doesn't come in until so we pick up the trash blow the candles and you sort of you sort of get the structure of it but that first that's a very kind of old-fashioned thing to do is to put in i love it so much the 50s all the time right (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Um, this is literally inspired this whole project is inspired by 1950s orchestral and 1950s musicals uh so you like got it right on the money yeah okay there you go there you go because it, it it really like the end of it in particular, like you're very deliberate about your melodies. This time it feels a little different and the, and the wrong side of midnight, but who cares? <clears throat> you took the melody up. You're like, but who cares? Instead of who cares and sort of resolve it. But you left us mm-hmm. hanging and it's like, okay, what's mm-hmm. next? What's next? And then drop us into the, to the more structured stuff. So I really, I really appreciate the, the amount of tension that that imparts um and and again just a, a sense of, of 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 unity wrong side of midnight but who cares is is kind of a question right and then we're we, we want to look forward um to the answer um, mm-hmm. yeah which which is which is a great thing i i, I watched a, a youtube video with a producer um a, a little while ago who's asking who was doing a Q&A thing with his with his YouTubers and people were debating whether or not to record to a metronome or not. And clearly for this song, <laughs> you're not going to do that. The tempo is all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. it, it builds, it grows. The, the first mm-hmm. verse completely tempo-free. Um, and we were very intentional about that as well. Like I went in yeah. and I was like, hey, obviously this is in 4-4. I'm switching it to like 6-8. Do I want this to be incredibly structured? Is that going to, and I tried it both ways. I was like, does this, does it serve the song? You know, I, everything that I do, and that's something that like one of my favorite professors at Berkeley and I talked about it like at length for hours and hours is intention behind Mm -hmm. everything that you do in writing. And when we went back and forth between like, Hey, we'll do it to click and we'll do it super structured versus just letting it kind of flow. And I was like, this serves a song better because then when you get into that if it was like super rigid and everything it loses that feeling and that emotion that like you're kind of swelling with it and growing with it and then you get into that six eight it doesn't have as big of a payoff if it's already coming from a really structured place yeah so and 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 the six eight is an interesting point choice because six eight even though it's structured it is kind of a swaying ebbing feel mm -hmm. to it it's not as as rigid as as four four even mm-hmm. that, that, that was that was an interesting choice as well because it really it, it really works with with that intro verse and with the whole vibe of the song i think mm-hmm. it's really really cool um what, what about i mean the, the the lyrics are are pretty interesting like how come like this is something admittedly i struggle with a lot sometimes is is getting interesting imagery 
in, in, in my own songs, right? And then like mm-hmm. threadbare chairs, light glinting off the song. I really love the image of, um, oh, where was it? Uh, soft as a bullet. Clarity comes soft as a bullet. Oh, thank you. you. I'm really proud of that line. I'm, yeah. I love that line. Um, it basically, the whole song is meant to be, uh, it's the aftermath of a dinner party at like a tiny mm-hmm. little apartment with a couple who just had all the people they love in the world over. And my character is like, you know, they're cleaning up after this lovely night. And she just kind of has this moment of realization of like, Oh my God, like, this is my person. Like, this is my forever. Like what I'm doing right now is this is the end. This is it for me. And I'm like, and I love it so much. And it's like, it doesn't have to be this giant declaration or these huge mm-hmm. moments and things. So the clarity comes soft as a bullet line was like, these huge realizations can happen for you and click into place when you're doing something as simple as like cleaning up after a party or, you know, the quiet moments. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is a great little insight and, 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 and a sort of, you know, and, 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 and that's supported by other lines of seeds grow where they're planted sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That whole idea of the, the smallness. And it is a very intimate song in that, in, in that sense. Right. And even though it's a, even though it's an I, There's no you in this song, is there? No. There's only an I. Confidently, babe is the only, the only place where you suggest that there's a partner, a romantic partner mm-hmm. in this context. You know? Because it's supposed to be about, like, you and your really... Yeah. It's like her moment of coming to this realization. And it, didn't, it doesn't, like, necessarily have anything to do with the other person's actions at that point. It's just her realizing for herself, like, oh. And that's what the whole project is about like again with the through lines it's like it's love and what i thought it was it's going on this journey from initial thoughts Mm. of love and experiences to like oh my god this is what it actually is and it's so different and juxtaposed to what i experienced in the beginning it's it as much as it involves other people and it's talking about relationships it's very much the main character's journey gotcha okay yeah and it's very different than what's presented in like rom-coms and and popular mm-hmm. culture and, and that's it's a little thing, right? more zoomed in it's yeah. i love coloring things differently and uh like changing up the perspective of stories and stuff and even doing it within the song like you were talking about before just the line itself i can see the end every time you hear it in the song it almost takes on a little bit of a different meaning mm-hmm. which i think keeps it exciting and interesting for the listener and also for me to sing and for me to write you know. Right, right. Yeah, I, I've heard, I heard about this actually from a from a Berkeley professor who did, mm-hmm. who did a um, Susan Catania. We've had her on the show many times. Um, she's she, she taught at Berkeley for like like twenty plus years. Um, but she taught, did this whole YouTube uh, uh, webinar kind of thing about recoloring your chorus and saying it's a Berkeley title, thing, right? It, it, very much a Berkeley thing, I guess. And and yeah, and and yeah, the three times you repeat your chorus. You know, lyrically, musically, whatever. Especially, she talked about about lyrically and how how depending on the context of the verses, pre-choruses, whatever, um, could change the meaning of those literally the same words, but now mm-hmm. the meaning of it has changed. Right. It's one of my favorite tools in writing. Yeah, it's such a nice challenge because it's easy to kind of have your idea and stick with it and drive it home. Well, it's not always easy. I won't use the word easy, no. but I think it's more common to have your core idea and 
be building on that core idea throughout the song. I really like to challenge myself in, okay, this is my core idea. What's another way to look at it? What's another way to approach this? And how does that change the storyline of the song? And how does it change my chord choices and my melodic choices? You know, the tensions that you use and all that kind of stuff. I think it, it really, it opens up your brain. I've also had a lot of time to think about, okay, we have these paths that we typically go down when we write, right? Everyone has them, the, the chords that you lean towards, the, mm-hmm. the themes that you lean towards. And if you challenge yourself to kind of go beyond that, then you start to form these new pathways that become more well-worn. And uh, there was a, an exercise that I used to do that was told to me by the same professor, actually. And it was try writing with your non-dominant hand. Because when you're writing lyrics, because it makes you write slower and you'll see that your brain in the time that it's taking you to write slower, by the time you finish that word that would have maybe taken you two seconds to write with your dominant hand, your brain has more time to think about the word that's going to come next than it would Mm. if you were just going through really quickly with your dominant hand. And you'll see like more options come up and more like more of these pathways emerge and it's, it works. It's really, really cool. It's frustrating because it takes yeah, so yeah. long and it looks so bad, but it, it's cool to see like the effect it has on your brain. Huh. That, that, that's really interesting. That, that, that's particularly interesting to me because my, my home studio, I used to have my, I'm a piano player, right? So I, I work on the mm-hmm. song right on the piano and I used to have my, my keyboard off to the side with its own little music stand and stuff like that. And my computer on, on this was an L shape thing or, or a long line kind of thing, right? So if I did a if I did a little draft of lyrics, say in Google Sheets or whatever, I would print it out, then take the printout with me to my piano, put it on the music stand, start playing the piano, trying to develop melodies and and at the same time scratching out lyrics with a pen and rewriting mm-hmm. stuff and and writing a new verse and and with all, all all with a pen. And now in in my new home studio, my keyboard is literally underneath my desk so i just slide it out and my computer's right in front of me so now i type all my lyrics and mm-hmm. i go through i go through revisions directly in google docs i've i, I don't write lyrics with a pen anymore <laughs> honestly i'm the same i used to be like a black notebook and pen girl and then as i got more into co-writing and stuff i was like it's just easier to do it all in google docs and now unless i like take the time when i write on my own i'll like sit down with a book and i'll I'll properly write, but most of my sessions, okay. I'm, I'm in Google Docs too. And it's fun. It, it's interesting to see how it changes the process, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it totally does. But it, it's interesting too, because I mean, just the same as with pen and paper, you can see all the edits. You can go to your revisions and go, wow, this was mm-hmm. like completely different five revisions yeah. ago. Be like, <laughs> God, did I really think this was good? Oh, yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and speaking, of, <clears throat> speaking of collaboration, this is a co-write. you got three songwriters listed on this song if you want to give a shout out to yes. your co-writers so via DeRoche is one of my favorite people in the world she's based in brooklyn and we wrote almost the whole project together and then elias abid is my producer and he also co-wrote a couple of the songs with me and helped me like just develop this whole sonic world i had a really specific vision going in and hmm. we were able to to make it come to life so, they, so honestly really- dream team yeah, yeah, but so so really, it was it was your vision, it was your idea from the start, and they they were kind of I say supporting role, but kind of a supporting. Yeah, so I brought it. Via and I were writing for months for this project. Like, there's six songs on it. I probably wrote eighteen 
to mm. 20 songs. And then, you know, you, you kind of cut from there, but, uh, this was, I, I had another song in this slot originally in the track list and I was like, this, this is not the song. And so I like hail married one more. I was on a zoom session with Bia and I was like, listen, I have this thought, I have this idea. And we're like, let's do it. And we did. And, uh, yeah, she was instrumental. Both of them mm. were instrumental in the process. Amazing. And it's sort of thing like, is it, 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 since you're doing like zoom calls and things like that, is it, is it mm-hmm. bit by bit over Google docs and things like that? Or is it more, more and more like you're in the same room together and you just vibe in and, and bounce around ideas and stuff? You know what? I've done a lot of, of zoom sessions, obviously with COVID and everything when it's the mm-hmm. right people and you have the right energy going on, it feels like you're in the same room. Like mm-hmm. I'll be playing the piano and singing and like, workshopping ideas and be able to like, I'll be like mumbling and via will like grab onto one of the words that I mumbled and be like that. And then we'll expand from there. And then we'll, uh, it's a really fun process. It's a very fluid process. And, um, the zoom sucks, but it does have its advantages (laughs) because if, not then I wouldn't be able to write with her because she's all the way in New York. Well, that, that's just it. I mean, the, the alternative is not doing it at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if that's the alternative, then I will happily take Zoom. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Zoom has gotten better with their sound for musicians and stuff like that. You can actually play a little bit more live and mm-hmm. not, not, obviously not the best, but hey, you know, it works. We do what we got to do, right? Do what you got to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what, what what about the what, what about the other songs on this on this EP of yours? Are they <clears throat> sort of yes. in are they just sort of musically the same? Like what, what what's the thing that ties them together aside from the narrative? What's the musical ideas that tie them together? So they all are orchestral based. Mm-hmm. Um I was really lucky to have Ben Lee who is a Toronto based like orchestrator and composer do the orchestration for this project, but the sonically what ties them together, the first half of the project is like straight up just orchestral. You will not find any synths. You won't really mm. find any drums going on. You find a ton of vocal production. I love vocal production. Mm. Um, the sec- the third song on the project, which is like kind of like this dream state flip song is where you mm. first start to hear, oh, oh sorry, this thing's giving a thumbs up, <laughs> is where you first start to hear a little bit of process stuff we had like a harp that we reversed and like did some crazy stuff with and then it gets a little more modern with songs like uh sunday afternoon we have a mellotron in it and i can Mm -hmm. see the end has like this guitar and like almost rocky Mm -hmm. kind of bridge to it and then the final song which is the title track merges both of those sounds together so it has a little bit of both and it's like this is what love is this is what i thought it was and this is you know, the reconciling of the two. Right. Okay. So you really carefully considered the whole, the big picture. Oh, like, yeah. Rapper, everything. <laughs> would, would, would All of say, it. Would you say that's really a Berkeley influence? Like before you went to Berkeley, would you have thought of a, conceived of a project like this? I was always a project girl. I was always like stories and like, films and like the big overarching themes is always what I've gravitated towards. I was never like classically trained though. So Berkeley is what gave me like the tools to be able to execute it to the degree that I've always wanted uh-huh. to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Cause like even, so I had like a little bit of piano, a little bit of voice, that kind of stuff. Like when you're young and whatever, but writing was like my main thing and songwriting and 
working with producers and then going to Berkeley gave me like the ear training. It gave me the like theoretical tools to know, okay, these are all the different modes. These are, Mm. you know, different lyrical techniques. Like just music is like, here are the rules. Now you know what they are and now you can break them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And learning those rules was really, really instrumental for me. And even just the confidence that I gained, like I, felt like I didn't have the vocabulary to communicate with the people that I was working with in the way that I wanted it to. I always had very specific visions and sounds that I wanted in my productions and different riffs and motifs and things. And I just, I didn't have the tools to communicate it mm-hmm. properly. And Berkeley gave me all of that confidence. Like I'm a co-producer on this project, which nice. well, I don't think would have happened without, without Berkeley. Oh, I don't think I would have been able to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, that's very cool. Yeah, because in, in in my own songwriting journey, like I, I, I did do the um, <clears throat> the free course from Pat Patterson on um, uh, on yeah. Sarah, um, nice. like several years ago now. But that really it really flipped a switch in myself. And in, in, in just when you're talking about in in thinking about like the whole song, you know mm-hmm. how does that, and that's what he talked about a lot in that in that course about how like the prose is the idea, right? How do your how do your melodies, how do your rhymes? Um, we didn't even talk about rhyming in this song. <laughs> oh, rhymes. we could get, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how, how does all that stuff point to your central idea, your central theme, whatever kind of thing you're trying, what kind of emotion you're trying to convey um, with, mm-hmm. this, with this with this piece, right? You know, yeah. It, even syllables, like what <clears throat> syllables within one word are you emphasizing? How does that change mm-hmm. the meaning, and how does that change how your listener is going to appreciate the song? What are you drawing attention to? within right. one line of lyrics with where your melody is going and what picture is that painting as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the difference for me was like all those little details, like you're talking about how, how, how do they all unify together as opposed to before I studied with him, it would have been like, I'm going to do that just cause like there was no rhyme mm-hmm. or reason and there was no deliberate thing too is just like i think it sounds cool you know but you know what that's perfectly valid too (laughs) it is no it is perfectly valid there's something to be appreciated for both sides for sure and 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 and, you know it 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 does beg the question especially with someone like you that these things have studied a lot does it ever get in the way like 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 for like like this idea of coloring the verse coloring your chorus for example that's something obviously you don't bring that into every song and no. it's a tool that you use, but do you ever find that that gets in the way of you, you feel like using it just because you know how to do it, even though the song may not warrant it? Does that ever happen? I definitely have to remember that, like, just because you pick a tool up doesn't mean you can't put it back down. So yeah. that's something I have to remind myself. I Like, I'll be in sessions, even with other artists, like in my work, just writing. And I'm like, okay, this does not serve this song. This is not necessary here. Like, let's put this back in the toolbox. Let's see what else we have to work with and, and kind of go from there because, and then again, these are like conversations I've had before where I'm like, Oh, you know, this kind of song seems less difficult to write than this kind of song because it's not as complex. It's like, no, do you have any idea how hard it is to write? Like, like party rock, for example, this was like the specific example that I had used at the time. Like, not anybody could have written party rock, which it just seems like a fun party song, whatever. But how many writers do you yeah. know that would have had like the ability to put their ego aside or whatever it is and just straight up write party rock, like the party mm-hmm. rock anthem? 
and it, it's a huge anybody knows party rock you know what i mean yeah and and and, and you're right it, it is it is really hard to write super catchy infectious pop songs like mm -hmm. if it was easy everyone would be doing it exactly and clearly every everyone is not yeah yeah that that, that is a really that's a really interesting question about yeah picking up a tool and then learning and, and this whole idea about serving the song like that's to me that's such a like i know what you mean but to mm -hmm. define that any further than serving the song i don't know how to oh yeah <laughs> i the way that i kind of look at it is like i'm telling stories that maybe are mine maybe are somebody else's maybe i it's a story i've made up but at a certain point you have to like make sure that the song and the story are not getting in the way of each other. You know, mm -hmm. like they have to work together. They can't, I can't let the story fight for dominance over, you know, how many syllables can actually fit in this line. I do that all the time. I'm, I put way too many syllables in the line. I'm like, Hey girl, they don't need correct grammar. And like, and it doesn't need to be perfect English. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to have, but is that in every single line yeah. so taking out things like that even though it's like oh but the story isn't as detailed it's like no but it's better for the song musically it's better for the song melodically and that's kind of what I, it's kind of like this give and take between the different elements of the song even vocal production like that's a layer to songwriting that it can enhance a song or at a certain point if you go too overboard or you're not mm -hmm. putting the right lines in it it can detract from the lyrics it can detract from the chord progression and it's all one giant balancing act yeah yeah for sure yeah and then it's a lot of pieces to consider a lot of parts mm, you I feel think. like a like a mad scientist at points yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah, oh a little bit sure. of this a little bit of that, little bit of that. see yeah, what happens yeah. Yeah. hopefully it doesn't explode <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> we all know how that feels when a song explodes on you <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and then i don't know if you've ever like experienced this but i tend to write a lot of i call them prototype songs where i'll have an idea for a song and i'll write it and i'll be like you know it's okay whatever and then maybe six weeks later six months later however long it is i'll write another song that's like like 2.0 of the initial song that I wrote. And it's no, it's not the same mm -hmm. lyrics. It's not the same chords. It's like, it's, it's not like I rewrote that song, but the, the theme is the same or the, like the message yeah. of what I'm trying to get across is the same. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, okay, that wasn't the right time to write that song or I needed to get this version out so that this really good song could exist. Yeah. I've, so I've I call those the, the prototype songs. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I've, I've done that a number of times. A few times where it's been very explicit that that's what happened. Sometimes it's a little bit softer. Like it's not that much of a more, but like mm -hmm. I've been in a band and written my, and my, and my, uh, my, our lead singer had written this song and he sent it to me and he asked me just to sort of work at improving the melody and i started hacking away at it and i'm like no i want to change this lyric so i can improve the melody i want to change this lyric oh the chorus could be stronger if i wrote it like this and before i knew it i'd completely rewritten the song had mm -hmm. i had i ever would have wrote that song had he not written that first song no chance exactly so it, was, it was a prototype and then this was the this was the version that we ended up using so yeah, mm -hmm. it does. It does happen. It's sometimes. cool, right? Yeah. It, sometimes you look back through your catalog, or like you look back through your notebook, and you're like, "Oh my god, this was the seed of yeah. this song." It's yeah. really cool to see like how the subconscious works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. 
Okie dokie. All right, I think um, I'm hearing the band in the background there, and I think uh, that is all the time we have <laughs> for the show um, tonight. Um, this has been Song Talk Radio. A special thanks to Mamika, and um, where can we send our listeners to hear more of your music? Oh my goodness, anywhere on the internet that plays music. My name is Mimika. You can find me on Spotify, Insta, Apple Music, at Yo It's Mimika on Instagram and TikTok. I don't do Twitter because I don't understand it and I'm not funny enough to be on Twitter, but no. anywhere else you can find me. Awesome. <laughs> um, I don't think you need to be funny to be on Twitter. I don't get Twitter either, so I wouldn't worry. Um, <laughs> we want to hear from you, our listeners, so please send us your comments on Facebook or Instagram to at Song Talk Radio or send us an email at feedback at songtalk.ca. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes and subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider. You can find links to all the products, books, and web services we mentioned on Song Talk Radio on our resources page on the website. And please join us at our next monthly Song Talk meetup, whether you're in Toronto for our in-person meetups or anywhere in the world for our online meetups. It's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend, bring a song and lyric sheet, and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. Stop by songtalk.ca for the link. Uh, you can follow me at neomori.com. Um, if Phil were here, he would say you can follow him at philemory.ca. <laughs> and um, Mimika, what's your what's what's your favorite social media? Not Twitter or X. Not Twitter. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Twitter, sorry, X. Um, Instagram. That's where I am usually the most. Right on. Cool. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Okay, and uh, be sure to stop by the website songtalk.ca to browse past shows and find out how you can be a guest. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and keep on writing. Yeah.